Beautiful. Um, well, hello, Damon. Finally got this shit fucking cranking. Um, episode six of Modern Guild, um, where we talk about the broken world and how it affects people and how people affect a broken world. Um, broken depending on how you look at it, I suppose. Um, but, Wildly dystopian. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we we tend to focus on what we see as a little bit more broken, just because actually it's more interesting. Well, I think. Speaking of, uh, I know that we're going to chat about the wonderful film review. Um, <laughs> yeah, threads. Yeah. Before that, touching on some sweet dystopian news that I just remembered. Uh, did you see that Reddit just purged like two thousand different subreddits? No, really. Yeah. What was the go there? Um, so that was a crackdown on hate speech and an answer to sort of, I guess it was, you know, very much related to like the whole BLM movement and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they affected, they've, so the Donald, which is like a, like Donald Trump. Donald Trump fanboy. Yeah. Good place to be. I enjoyed it. Have you, I haven't really browsed today. I... I haven't really checked it out, so I'm not, I'm not too well-versed on it. But It was a really interesting mixture of people who were just like absolutely toxic and hateful trolls and people who wanted to just really project like their serious Donald Trump takes that no one else was really ready to receive, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it was a good, good job. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, Gender Critical, which is like this movement of, um, I think it's like best described as the JK Rowling talking points. Um, right, okay. Which is effectively like, you know, angry white ants that are never going to um, like allow transgender women to uh, call themselves women. Yeah, yeah, I feel yeah. you. It wasn't that bad. I definitely saw some of it, but effectively it was just like a long shit post subreddit on like the same talking point over and over again i don't know how people can like just sit there and reread the same talking point over and over and over again but whatever or or like kind of dedicate enough of their life to just caring about it like yeah the 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 sort of resistance amongst people to just like identify a trans woman as a woman or vice versa is confusing to me like I don't fucking care what someone <laughs> wants to call themselves. You know what I mean? Oh, like, I feel you, man. Like, yeah. if tomorrow Think you called me fuck. and you were like, hey, bro, from now on, like, I'd really appreciate it if you just, like, said I was a woman. I'd be like, well, yeah, sure, bro. Like, that's left of field. But, like, I don't give a fuck. Um, yeah. And then just we would move on with our lives and keep doing a podcast, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Um, and, yeah, people yeah. just can't quite get over that hump, hey? I feel like the ultimate identity pill is just to realize how little it fucking matters and no matter how you identify it doesn't really add much to your personality if you don't have a personality to begin with and that's kind of like the be all fucking end all you know point that i i completely i completely (laughs) agree with that man i just Um, don't care (laughs) yeah yeah i i don't care like um i actually got I got like called out when I was at this, um, you know how I told you that I went to that like refugee solidarity blockade kind of thing. 
Yeah. Um, someone was like asking a question about, I can't even remember what, and I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure like she had it. And then this person's just like, um, what? I'm like, oh yeah, like she had the thing or whatever we were talking about. Yeah. And then she's just like, <laughs> um, they had the thing. And I'm like, oh, right. Like way to just make this awkward for everyone. Yeah. And just like, yeah, like you should really like, um, you know, just check people's pronouns. It's like, well, should I? <laughs> Does it fucking matter? Like, I don't see this making a difference until you decided to make it matter. Yeah. Like, um, and maybe that's not like a cool fucking, you know, like Gen Z way for me to view it. But, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, why can't we all just have whatever fucking pronouns people use? It doesn't matter. Oh, uh, it's just so uninteresting, man. I just think that if you're going to make a big deal out of that, then, you know, and not just like politely correct someone, if it's something that matters to you, like you should anything, yeah. you know, like if someone makes a joke about like dead moms or whatever, you know, if that's something that anyone would ever do, which you probably yeah, shouldn't, yeah. if you're thinking about doing that, stop and don't. But if you are going to, and then suddenly someone's, you know, this is a shitty example because it's so fucking tasteless to do it anyway. But, you know, okay, well, someone's making, like, a your mom joke, you know, and your mom's yeah. dead. And then you have to, like, awkwardly express that. I, I fucking have totally lost what point I was trying to make with this analogy. Effectively, you I know, think you were trying to do... <laughs> you were trying to just say that you can just, like, lightly nudge someone and be like, hey, just so you know, this and that. And yeah. then, like, it's not a confrontation and no one has to care anymore. Yeah. 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 Pretty much. Exactly. Just, you know, politely inform them. That was a fucking disgusting hole that I was digging. When I was, like, yeah, you, you did a good job of that. <laughs> um, like, not even digging your own hole. You, like, dug up a grave and hopped in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, when I was a teenager at high school, I, like, fucked myself up because I made, like, a dead dad joke or some shit yeah. um like to a dude whose dad was like recently dead um and then he like was like hey bro my dad's dead and i thought that he was just fucking with me so i like <laughs> i like down. escalated <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, <shit>. um, which <laughs> yeah. is like one of the uh many blotches on my life um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah that was good um, anyway, should we fucking talk about Threads, bro? Like, yeah, sweet. As you can imagine, I went and watched it after your, like, just absolutely thorough, wholehearted recommendation. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, like, I don't know whether or not to, like, kiss you and thank you or to just stop being your friend because <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it, like, almost physically hurt me to watch it. Like, it's fucking gnarly, bro. So, yeah. like, you're, yeah, you sold it spot on. Um, but for some reason, I still wasn't ready for, like, how it would just make me, like, curl up on my couch like a dying grub <laughs> and just want to, like, hold myself and comfort myself. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, just... I'm so glad. Yeah. Because that's the whole to, point of it, like... Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. And to be honest, like, I didn't even watch the last, like, 12 minutes because I got to a point where I was like, well, I feel like the suffering is kind of, like, tapering down 
or like plateauing at this point and I can just like tap out because I've yeah. like reached peak pain. Um, Do you want to know what so, happens? Yeah, tell me how it ends. Oh, so the last okay. scene I watched was like uh, Ruth and her like baby daddy's mate like eating like a raw lamb or whatever. Oh, um, man, did you only get up to there? Oh, oh did, I, did I not watch more than I thought? I felt like there was <clears throat> like 12 minutes left, but maybe I'm tripping. Oh, no, like, it. well, 12 minutes is a lifetime in threads. Um, <laughs> it gets much worse. It gets like, like you know, they sort of wander around the... Um... Oh, yeah, so, okay, so I think at that point, Roof partakes in, like, um, the harvest. So you definitely saw that, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then she gives birth to her child in a barn. Did you see that? Oh, no. I wish, kind of wish I saw that scene. Is, was it just like a bloody pulp? No, no, no. So the child actually lives. Um, because, oh, wow. That's like, hectic. Yeah. So they, because, you know, Michael Jack, oh, Michael Jackson, Mike Jackson, the guy that directed it, is, um, yeah. was so hell-bent on ensuring that we really get the message of how miserable nuclear warfare is going to be. So the cruel bastard lets the child live um, and then cuts to, like, ten years later where Britain's population has fallen to, like, 4 to 11 million people. Yeah. Um, and then so the survivors work the fields with, like, primitive tools and speak broken English because of the uh, how fractured society is. Um, <laughs> Ruth dies of cancer and just, like, misery. Mm. Uh, you know, in, like, a field. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the scene, she just kind of, like, falls over and you're just like, thank God. Like, I've never been so happy to see someone be put out of the misery. Yeah. Um, the population's starting to recover, but it's also like at this point you're like, just why, you know? Yeah, like, what's the point, like, right? Yeah, the hopelessness is so real that just mass suicide would almost be better um, than continuing on with his existence. And that the feeling I got, man, like you know, just cut myself short very quickly. I would definitely want to die in the blast, a hundred percent. Like, fuck that. There's no way I would want to have to live through the following you know months and years of a nuclear warfare um it's just so horrible and yeah like, i i kind of agree and um actually like after watching this <laughs> this movie actually made me ask francisca like for those who are listening and don't know who francisca is that's my wife but anyway i was like so um you know this movie that I'm watching, Threads, um, this is what it's about, blah, blah, blah. Just so we can, like, clarify, um, if we get the nuclear warning kind of, like, a week in advance, you know, on the news, if it's like, you know, things are escalating, like, it's not out of the realm of possibility that there might be a nuclear exchange. How do you want to go about it? Because my point of view is that we should probably just prep, like, a little suicide cocktail. <laughs> I'm, like, genuinely having, like, a real-world conversation with my wife about, like, killing ourselves <laughs> because, like, the fucking consequences of what happens in this film yeah. is so horrific. Um, and, like, I'm the same as you, man. If I didn't die on the blast, I would have something on hand to just, like, quickly end it. Because, oh, like, dude, there's just not enough ways to kill yourself fast enough to fucking get yeah. out of the misery of this. So, hold on, I'm not even finished yet. So, so basically... Um, so the population is making this small recovery and they start coal mining 10 years later, you know, 
Um, because basically there's like that amount of time before you can actually till the fields and get a you know running stable population. Yeah. Um, and this is where I kind of feel like the director really was just like, fuck it. Like, I'm just going to, you know, run for, <laughs> just do the worst damage I can on the psyche. So after three years, uh, sorry, three years after Ruth dies, mm-hmm. it cuts to the scene of like Jane, um, the daughter of Ruth wrestling for food. Um, and then she gets raped because, you know, just fuck it. Uh, and then she gives birth to a stillborn Ooh. child because of the persistent radiation and starts wailing in, like, complete misery, and then the film <laughs> just cuts to black. And it's like... So, yeah, yeah that's what you missed out on. Just the, the fucking rape cherry on top of the cake. Yeah. Like, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Good, good film. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well... I actually, like... My eyes are like watering right now, thinking about it again. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's just like I'm having like an allergic reaction to the thought of it. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a, a masterpiece of art. Like, you know, there's so few films out there that have that sort of effect on people. And that you really, I, I want to know what that first cut was like. Because eh? the first cut was meant to be the one that they were worried would lead to mass suicides. True, yeah, right. Mess. I just thought, what the fuck, man? Jesus Christ. I didn't Maybe know- we should yeah? we should email the director and ask if we can get it so we can talk about it on the podcast. Oh, dude, that would be fantastic. Because what's his name again? Mick Jackson, I think. Um, I'll, I've opened the tab and, uh, like, searched his email. So I, after the, this ends, I'll try and send him an email. Because, like... After that much time has passed with, like, a movie that obscure, I feel as though if I was the director, I would probably, like, want to share that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, and you never know if you don't just, like, ask people. That would be pretty cool. Also, I think um, one really good thing about our little uh, threads tangent is that, like, listeners also went and watched this and, like, felt equally violated. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So, like, this is probably our first, like, um, kind of host-slash-audience crossover experience. Um, yeah. Uh, where, like, we got it. We were contacted by, like, some of our friends and some people who listen who were just like, you guys suck. Like, <laughs> this movie is fucking awful. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but, like, in the most loving way. So that's good. I got a personal message detailing how this is the worst film that my friend had ever seen. Um, yeah, that's epic. And uh, <laughs> just, like, why would you recommend this? You know, yeah. but it's important, and this is the important thing, is, like, I fucking would see nuclear, anti-nuclear rallies, to me, would just be kind of, like, obnoxious had I not seen this, you know? Yeah, straight up. Um, I honestly was such an ignorant dickhead that I would have lumped them in with, you know, not lumped them in, but just would have seen it as, like, oh, here we go. You know, the same fucking people... Uh, running around, being annoying, singing Kumbaya and, and waving the little anti-nuke posters. But, um, nah, man, I'm fucking 100% there. The next threat of nuclear war, I'm with you. I'll have my suicide yeah. plan ready. Um, yeah. Because, dude, not even New Zealand would escape. That's one of the things that I realized. So I was, like, frantically searching after this. Like, effects on New Zealand of nuclear warfare. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I was just so paranoid. Uh, and yeah. I was thinking, well, what what would happen here? And apparently, um, even here would suffer. 
Uh, the nuclear winter is so far-reaching. Um, similar effects to something like Yellowstone like the, blowing. Yeah, or like the it's like the extinction of the dinosaurs, you know? Yeah. Like, all that shit just gets kicked up into the atmosphere and we all fucking freeze, so that's good. Yeah, yeah, and if you don't die, then you end up as, like, Jane, you know? English, <laughs> just having to deal with uh, a barbaric society. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know that last time in our show and tell, I went first, and we normally swap around, so ordinarily you'd be going first this time. But I just realized yeah. that um, my show and tell is actually, like, really relevant to what we're talking about right now. So I might just like segue into it if that's cool. Yeah, cool, man. So like, this is a little bit of a journey, um, <laughs> a little bit of a <laughs> tale of my online journey. Um, so this started from, I was just like casually browsing the New York times website and came across this pretty like banal article. It was kind of like just one of those, uh, not even a news story, but just one of those like kind of interest pieces um, yeah. about the way, that like the growth of the private bunker construction industry in the United States has like accelerated uh, since the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah. Um, and like, as most listeners are probably already aware, like the United States has always had this like fixation with the end times. And like, there's a lot of like doomsday preppers and just paranoid douchebags anyway that just have like <laughs> bunkers on their property and fucking gun stashes and all that kind of bullshit. Um, and I think that probably like a lot of that stems from, you know, their like emphasis in the Constitution regarding their right to bear arms and the importance of being able to de defend yourself against tyranny. And then also the experience of the Cold War, I'd imagine. So. I think some of that fear is, you know, somewhat justified. Well, I think but... it goes back further than that, man. I think it's ingrained in the culture since the, like, the Civil War. And, uh, you know, the. I don't know enough about American history, but I'm fairly certain that there is... And I'm going to sound like such a douchebag, you know, trying to fucking talk about this. But I'm pretty sure there was a period where they, uh, citizens took up arms against the government. Yeah, yeah. No, you're, you're dead right, man. Um, so, since... Uh, since COVID has struck, uh, it's provided like the perfect kind of uh, match to light the fuse of paranoia for people. Um, and it's kind of demonstrated how fragile American society is and has made people who are already considering getting into the bunker uh, sector take the plunge and be like, you know what, man, I'm going to get my fucking bunker because like this shit's going down. And they're not worried specifically about COVID and that's why they're getting their bunker, but they're like something else similar to COVID happens. I want to have a bunker in case. So like um, this New York times article talks to this guy in new England who has like his own company and he like can't keep up with demand. Um, he's just like booked out for the next year or some shit of just like <laughs> yeah. all these losers wanting bunkers. Um, and so there's like this, abundance of different companies across the states who do it and i like went on a bit of like a i guess online window shopping spree <laughs> um looking at different bunkers yeah, and they yeah. have like um you know like package options where they have like a different range that are all like pre-designed kind of the same way that you get like a what do you they called like a uh, house and land package kind of thing like just like the blueprint of the house that isn't really that like alterable and you just kind of like pay fuck all for it and it pops up. Um, yeah. So like 
the cost of these bunkers ranges from like the most simple one is like 20 grand. Um, and that's kind of like, you can just live in there for a year and it sucks, but it's there, you know, um, to like this one that's called the California model, <laughs> which yeah. is like over $5 million and has like an underground private pool, like a hydroponic garden, aquaponics, a home theater, like a, um, what do you call it? Like a, what the fuck are those rooms called where you just like keep guns? Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. We'll go yeah. with panic room. Um, and just like every, every feature that like any normal mansion would have in yeah. a fucking bunker. That's pretty um, dope. How much does something like that go for? So the high end one that I just talked about, which is like the most expensive option I found was like 5.2 million us dollars. That is so um, affordable considering. Yeah. Um, and that's just the most expensive of like the package options. So yeah. Like there are some like custom bunkers that like billionaires have made, which are like way gnarlier than that. Um, which you could, yeah. Um, if it wasn't underground, you know, you'd want to live in it. But yeah. <laughs> um, there's this one company called Atlas, um, and they're the company that offer the five million dollar option. And they have like this YouTube channel where they like do like cringy like time lapses or whatever of them building a bunker. Um, yeah. So I watched a couple of these videos and it's really funny because I would have expected these companies to just be like kind of just like stereotypically shitty people, but yeah. they're actually just like real wholesome, chilled out rednecks kind of just dicking around like on these construction sites, like, like clearly skilled dudes, like they know yeah. what they're doing. Um, oh, dude, just I like. Yeah, I respect the prepper community for that reason. A lot of them are like, you know, despite the paranoia, um, do know some pretty fucking cool shit, like on how to uh, build and sustain stuff. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. They're always a good chat. Always. <laughs> you know. Good chat. Anyone yeah, that paranoid prep, is a preppers. fucking good conversation. For about 30 minutes. Yeah, at least. and then you realize that they're not listening to anything that you say. <laughs> oh yeah, true. Okay, yeah, too. Um, but uh, anyway, shout out to them. Huh? I just got a message back from uh, Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk. Um, that's interesting. Anyway, sorry that just popped up on my screen. Um, <laughs> oh, fuck, fuck, I'm a cunt. That's such a dumb like name drop. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, just got a message from the Premier. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> fuck me i'm only the only reason i even said it is because yesterday i was like i'm gonna message the premier and ask her a question yeah and then i was like she probably won't reply and there you go she did so that's why i'm like oh there you go anyway <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna edit that out because this is just <laughs> not interesting to listen to yeah um so there was a really like wholesome moment in this uh bunker building video where they're like lowering the like metal frame for the bunker onto the concrete slab and it's like uh you know in the air suspended from the crane and then they realize that none of them know whereabouts on the concrete like foundation that it's meant to actually go and they're just like where where's it go and they're like, oh, 12 inches from the back and 12 inches from the side. And then they're just like, oh, do we have a tape measure? And then everyone on the site is just like, who's got a tape measure? Has someone got a tape measure? 
yeah. <laughs> these guys are like building a bunker without a measuring tape. That's um, ridiculous. Yeah, which is like some king of the hill kind of stuff. Yeah, like not, yeah. no, not that funny, but just like, <laughs> I don't know, a moment. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so I went on a little bit of like a, you know, just a journey learning about bunkers um, yeah. <laughs> after this. And this is where it gets weird, right? Like I found this um, article on Forbes that was published in 2016 about this, like it's marketed as a community um, called uh, Vivo's X, um, well, Vivo's X Point, sorry, I believe, um, yeah. which is in South Dakota built in this um, like disused military base. Uh, and if you look at like South Dakota on a map, it's like bang in the center of the United States. It's like within, within a 24 hour drive of anywhere in mainland America. Oh, right. Um, okay. Yeah. I'm just and, that yeah. And so it was called Fort Igloo because there are like, uh, I think it was like 575 concrete bunkers partially protruding from the ground in like an igloo shape. Yeah. Um, and, through a lot of the Cold War, this was like a massive um, ordnance supply base, um, and it's in the middle of nowhere, away from like urban centers or anything like that. And I think it's over 100 miles away from the closest uh, like nuclear uh, nuclear strike target. Yeah. Um, and it's like at high altitude, uh, so there's like very little risk of it ever flooding. Like if oceans rise. Um, everything like the, the humidity and stuff is like just at a really like moderate level. So essentially this like place in terms of like its geography is kind of like the safest place in America, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and it's like really flat land. Um, it's super isolated, etc. Um, so oh, this like became disused, I think in the early seventies and then <clears throat> was sold to like a private developer. Um, so this company called Vivos, or I'm assuming I'm pronouncing it correctly, but it's spelled V-I-V-O-S, um, eventually got a hold of it. <clears throat> and they have like marketed it as this like uh, apocalypse community where you can buy one of the 575 bunkers um, and all up, they think they can house about 5,000 people. But like the whole thing gets really weird the more you read about it right so like it's kind of just a real dodgy fucking scam kind of thing so like the starting price of the bunkers are 25k plus a one thousand dollar per year like uh rent and services fee um but you get the bunker as is so just like an empty hollow concrete room yeah and then you have to pay more to have like the water gas electricity installed and plumbed in and then to have all of the interior actually made, um, which they can do for you for $110,000, bringing the price to like one hundred and thirty-five plus plus $1,000 a year. Um, and like they offer finance. Oh, <laughs> so, this is so dodgy. Yeah. So like they're just preying on like people's paranoia to get them roped into like this 99-year-long agreement because it's a 99-year yeah. lease. Um, and so like these paranoid poor people on finance are just going to die and then like leave their relatives with this ongoing cost, um, and just like an empty, broken, shitty asset. Um, yeah. and like, there's like very little, uh, information in terms of like photographs or videos of what people have actually done with these once they've bought them. 
So I feel as though 90% of them are just like empty, cold fucking rooms that dudes just like drink in um, yeah. and like bring their other like white friends there with their guns and hang out and like aren't actually prepared for an apocalypse at all. I mean, I've been to a rave that was pretty similar <laughs> to this where it was just like a bunch of fucking abandoned World War II bunkers. Um, and even that sucked. So I can't imagine this would be any better. Yeah. You know, um, so like the was that a godly head? Yeah, by yeah. the way, yeah. Wow, I didn't know there were raves there. Did For anyone listening, that? no, no, I went to Godly Head um, just like as a sightseer or whatever. For anyone yeah. listening, like Godly Head is near Christchurch in New Zealand, um, and it was like a fort set up to guard the harbour near Christchurch um, during World War Two. So there are massive bunkers there where like coastal batteries were installed to um like fight any ships trying to come and attack the harbor yeah. um but it's and like the bunkers are still uh structurally sound but they've just kind of like fallen into these like gross decrepit states where there's a lot of like graffiti and just like i guess subsections of society that yeah. just hang out there too Christ much rave culture which is yeah like, yeah i don't know it's probably no worse than any other rave culture um, I say this at risk of pissing off the rave community, I guess, but I don't know. I guess you, yeah. you can't make it through life without a few enemies. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, so like I did a lot of exploring on the website for Vivos, which yeah. is like this really poorly built, ugly kind of like l- late nineties dude in his lounge kind of vibe making a website. Um, And um, like all of the copywriting on the website is just really like off and strange. And like I've taken a little bit of uh, some quotes from here and like they have a few uh, sites across the world. They have one in Europe, one in Indiana, and there's one in North Dakota that I've been talking about. Um, Sorry, South Dakota. Um, and they say like it's centrally located in North Dakota, <laughs> as if it's like an apartment in New York or something. Yeah. Um, and like also quote one day you'll wish you could get in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's so fucking creepy. And they um, the site is called um, Vivo's X Point, and it says quote X Point the point in time when only the prepared survive. Uh, the key selling points include. Massive, <laughs> secure, isolated, <laughs> yeah. high altitude, very remote, totally off grid. Um, um. And <laughs> their, their website has sections, uh, one section titled Prophecies, um, yeah. which, if you click, provides an overview of uh, uh, doomsday prophecies from throughout history and refers to Nostradamus and the Mayans. Oh, fuck yeah. Um, there's. Also, um, like a <laughs> infographic or map, uh, which like situates the site, um, with no like reference or sources for how they like made this map or where it's from or what the fuck it is. But um, I'm browsing it, this it, as we speak, and I'm pretty oh, good. Oh, Yeah, we'll have <laughs> yeah. to definitely share the link. Um, so the map uh, provides an overview of the consequences of quote a large scale cataclysm or catastrophic event. So just broadly any of those. <laughs> and it shows the uh, predicted submersion zones, known yeah. nuclear targets, high crime anarchy zones, 
and the Yellowstone Blast Zone. Did chairs make it? And <laughs> it didn't. But yeah, that. Um, and fortunately for you, today you can get a finance option and live in a compound outside of all of these zones. Um, they also had a rental program where you could just like rent a bed in like a dorm style bunker. Yeah. Um, but like they stopped it when COVID happened because they couldn't guarantee that it would have become like a disease infested cesspit. What would you um, like? What, how long would you rent for? It'd be cool if it was like a post apocalyptic, like spice up your romance kind of thing. And you could go Ooh, there and, yeah. you know, and they could cash it on their whole market. Oh, that would get so filthy. <laughs> um, <laughs> speaking of reproduction. Yeah. They, they also run a, a DNA vault. Oh, fuck. I was hoping you were going to get to that. I saw that and I've yeah. just been reading through it. Just thinking, what Ooh. the fuck am I reading right now? Ooh, where they'll collect your DNA starting from the low price of $30 per person. Yeah. Um, and they're gonna they store it in one of their apocalypse bunkers for you to access later on for life extension purposes. Um, <laughs> and like in this section where there's DNA, there are like kind of just like stock photo images of like uh, really psychedelic, like consciously ascended humans <laughs> and like newborn babies with like beautiful pure eyes um, and just like shit that looks like some like UFO kind of like. Uh, futurist vibe. Yeah. Um, and like, <laughs> but still I, um, in like a '90s fucking shitty website. Yeah. And I like I was so intrigued by all of this that I tried to apply for one of the bunkers because I wanted to like interact with them and kind of just like yeah get more of a vibe for what this all entails. Um, but to apply, you have to become a member, like a Vivos member, uh, which requires you to fill out this like pretty long application and stipulate your relevant survival skills and the reasoning for why you want to be in the bunker um and then they have to deem you as worthy before you get chosen and then you're allowed to pay them the money to buy your fucking bunker so they vet you based on your like perception of yourself and your level of paranoia um really Fuck. well like that's what i think because like <laughs> yeah. anyone filling out this application if they have to like you have to stipulate your relevant survival skills. You have to just be a deluded freak. Like, and like that level of delusion shows like a level of vulnerability combined with your answer as to your reasoning for why you think you need a position in this community. Yeah. It like it self filters out for like schizophrenic preppers, which who they can then like rope into this 99 year finance <laughs> fucking thing. Um, so like, it's just a weird, like incel fucking cult, man. Um, yeah. and like, I, the other thing about it is that they, they would be incels. Oh, I mean like anyone who would (laughs) want to buy this bunker would be an incel though. Yeah. I feel like those people would be like the sort of people who'd go to, um, the Philippines, you know, and get one of their wives. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And go to the border security expo. (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, and like dudes who really like ben shapiro but don't actually understand what he says oh dude this is they just know that he looks like them and they're like yeah ben shapiro is like a gross skinny white guy who sounds (laughs) smart like i love him and then they defend him at parties where no one wants them there and they don't actually make any sense um and so like i clicked on the uh the management tab of the website yeah. And found the founder and CEO 
this guy called Robert K. Vicino, who has like a bit of a bio on the website. Um, and the bio does read like um, the self-written bio of a cult leader. So I'm going to read it. It's a little bit uh, long, but bear with me. It's not too it long. less weird than I thought. He kind of looks like a failed property developer. See, I think that's the problem, bro. Yeah, like, so it's pretty people, obvious who it is. Like, most cult leaders don't look that weird. They look really average. Yeah. Um, I reckon, at least. Um, like, you have your, your Charles Mansons and stuff who, yeah. like, stand out, but they're, like, the 1% of cult leaders. Most of them are, like, disguised as sort of, like, businessmen or, like, kind of, like, um, thought leaders, you know, who, like, speak at <laughs> seminars and wear a yeah. blazer but no tie. Um, yeah, and yeah, yeah. It, yeah. So um, I'm going to start reading right, this. Because the Vivos project is headed by Robert Vicino, an entrepreneur with a global history of success in manufacturing, marketing, and real estate development. In 1980, Robert was inspired to build a shelter for 1,000 people deep underground to protect us from a coming life extinction event. That was decades ago, but it was so vivid and compelling that he dropped everything and started looking for an underground cave or abandoned mine that could be hardened to create a shelter of massive proportions to save as many people as he could. Robert was not very religious at the time, did not know who the Mayans were, and had no other motivation or cause to be alarmed. Just a very strong inspiration that he now believes was from God. In his young 20s, Robert was already very successful with nearly 100 employees. What he quickly learned was that the world wasn't ready to hear or consider this doomsday concern. That was true until 2008, when he mentioned it once again to a small group of friends. Their reaction was, it's time. The world is on the verge and people are ready. In 2008, the Vivos project was officially launched as a privately funded venture to provide a life assurance shelter solution for as many people as possible in the face of virtually any catastrophe. Now, with the conviction that this was his true mission, clearly inspired, either fortunately or unfortunately, because he had the unique skill set to get it done. With a huge responsibility, stacking his neck out for ridicule and investing years of his life in savings to save others, he now accepts that responsibility with great humility and gratitude that he can, together with a team of experts in engineering, architecture, construction, medicine, psychology, healthcare, nutrition, law, the constitution, Jesus finance, Christ. management, logistics, manufacturing, security, and self-defense, each ded dedicated to bring the Vivos network to reality around the world. Apply for membership. Don't be left out. Join us while you still can and space is available. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, yeah. It's, I, it, I the a, whole thing is it's so good, bro. Yeah, man. It's pretty fucked. I have a um, counter uh, theory here. I think yes. Robert Pacino is so balls deep in fucking debt from like someone like his brother-in-law or someone like that who probably said to him some, some shit about the world ending and that there's this great property deal. That he's fucked and he's doing whatever he can to like shit post his way out of it. Cause this man, this is just so fucking ludicrous. Like, oh. and he looks like, like a property developer. He doesn't look like your standard prepper moron. Well, you know? um, you, you may be right. I, I looked him up and I'm going to quickly find this page again. I Googled him to try and find more information about him. And yeah. on like, 
the second page of Google search results, there is um, there's a US patents um, website which shows all of the uh, inventions patented under his name. <laughs> really? Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to quickly try it. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm, I've gone past it now. Oh, okay, here it is. Um, so if you go to, yeah, patents.justia.com, yeah. um, he has this really weird history of inventing, like, inflatable devices. Um, <laughs> so dating back to yeah. 1981, it looks like. Um, it, it, I guess this is how maybe he apparently had hundreds of employees from his early twenties. Yeah. So I'm going to try and go in chronological order of his, his inventions. <laughs> okay. The first one was filed in 1979, an animated three dimensional inflatable display, um, inflatable display structure. There are also descriptions of all of these here, but I'm not going to read them out. Um, inflatable bottle replica, <laughs> waterborne inflatable promotional device, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, inflatable sign, uh, <laughs> inflatable sign a second time, um, uh, another inflatable sign in 1987. I don't know why he's patenting multiple versions of inflatable signs. I guess they're all different. Yeah. Method of molding monolithic building structure, self-inflating foam structure, method of making a self-inflating structure, and jumping toy vehicle. Um, so it sounds to me like your theory about him being in multitudes of debt might be correct. Uh, and I think like, you've just disproven it with that, though. Well, no. I think he's a, a struggling inventor, dude, who, yeah, oh. probably had hundreds of employees, but he owed them all fucking millions of dollars yeah. And because he puts all his money into trying to get these shitty fucking things off the ground. Yeah. Um, and, like, if you go to his LinkedIn, like, he's clearly not very, like, uh, I don't know, well-to-do, I don't think. Yeah. Um, he has, like, a weird Instagram account with, like, 20 followers and <laughs> a few Oh, posts. fuck. He's serious. Um, yeah. Um, oh. And he, or he's also, like, credited on IMDb. Yeah, I um, just saw that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, for being on a film called... Is it called Conspiracies and Lenses? Is that what it was called? Yeah, and, that looks to be it. Um, so, yeah, like, dude is a fucking loose unit. Okay. Um, yeah, here we go. Looking at his LinkedIn, you go back far enough. Um, it looks like he made a bunch of cash in the inflatable industry at 24. <laughs> which, yeah, right. I don't know. I guess that's a thing in America. You can float around. Yeah. Have your inflatable sign in the pool. Um, so, um, anyway, that's, um, that's kind of the end of my, like my bunker journey. Oh, um, dude, that's fantastic. What a great like, grifter. He sounds yeah, like right? a grifter, eh? I mean, in, oh, and 100%, the, bro. Yeah, definitely. Um, another, like, another thing that makes me a bit like sort of fishy about this, I don't know exactly why, but it just gives me a weird feeling is that. They talk about the compound being like completely secure and that like it's um, always guarded by like armed men and that you can see someone coming up the road from three miles away, like in any direction. Yeah. Um, 
but I kind of feel like that's set up to keep people in and not out <laughs> because like there's that whole thing of like um, cult practice of just like isolating people from their like from people outside of your community. Yeah. Um, so like I don't think they want people to feel like they should have visitors or feel like they need to leave. Like I think they're like, yeah, man, fucking come in here. Like we'll keep you safe and insulated. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think it's just like a fucking Jedi mind trick. Like you're so secure in here that you don't even need to leave, but that's how they like isolate people and continue to exploit them. Um, um it must be a fucking scam, bro. Like, yeah, I, oh. I think that because in reality, if anyone went there to, I don't know, live in your little bunker, you wouldn't last like a month. You know, you're going to be stuck 24 hours drive away from anywhere in a rented unit for, you know, 40k a year, basically for fucking nothing. Yeah. And, and if you like, if you look at what these bunkers look like when you get them, unless you like want to fork out, you know, like the realistically they say a minimum of 110k but realistically i'm sure that would inflate to at least a couple of hundred if you want to make it livable yeah it's just like literally a cold empty concrete half cylinder like there would be people just like in their in their fucking sleeping bags with like no running water I yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it's fucking weird um, additional note his company is registered in california He's not out there with you. Yeah, and, exactly. I saw that too. Yeah. His previous company was Luxury Fractional Villas, which is essentially sounds like the same concept, only, you know, you can buy a luxury villa, like a timeshare thing. Like you buy it for like a couple yeah, months. Yeah, yeah. What a grifter. That's a fucking good find. That's a grifter yeah. that the media hasn't even caught on to yet. Oh, they, they have to an extent. Um, yeah. But I just don't think they've maybe looked far enough into it um but i mean anyway we are the fucking media yeah bruh. exactly yeah we're the fucking media yeah we caught media. him man we did it hot, hot. <laughs> so yeah um i'm gonna also email robert um and see if he'd like to come on the podcast <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. um maybe he can you know defend himself a little bit we should yeah. give him a chance at least because we're like ripping into him um and, like, I'd also like to rip into him on the pod. So, there you go. I want to talk to him um, about Ayn Rand. Because I'm just seeing uh, <laughs> that he here's a Vice article on him. And he's true. quoting Ayn Rand. Or Ayn Rand. Fuck, I don't care how you pronounce it. Whatever. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we can have a good little chat about his, his doomsday theories from that. Mm. But, no, that's uh, oh, fucking man, what a fucking good shit. Show. Man, I love the States, man. Like, they're so... I, I actually... I hate it, but... I love how yeah. fucking insane they are. Like, yeah, you know, they, just, they are. There'd be too many naysayers in New Zealand that would shoot you down on such a spectacularly bad idea like this. Whereas in the States, I bet he's backed up all the way. I bet he could even get financing for that. You know? Oh, I'm sure he did. Too, <laughs> oh, yeah, which is, I'm sure <laughs> yeah. what explains this crazy fucking website. Yeah. You know, that's a, um, that's a nation that does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah for better or worse exactly um, um so yeah that that's that's my show and tell sick. man that's um, kind of a good segue into collapse which is ultimately um continuing on this wonderful uh depression core cinema i figured it'd be relevant to chat about collapse 
And I was also going to talk about this other film, like, called Hypernormalization, that I started watching. I got, like, halfway through, and then I just gave up. Uh, and I'm sure I'll finish it at some point, but I don't know. It was all about, like, how the media controls us, and um, there's all this elaborate, like, you know, techniques to create a fake world that we, uh, that the media makes us live in. But I sort of just felt like it was giving too much credit to every, to media organizations. Yeah, right. To have the ability to create a fake world that we live in and, you know, to dupe the masses. I, I honestly don't think that they actually have anywhere close to that ability whatsoever. Um, other than sort of powerfully disinforming everyone, you know. So, without further ado, Collapse is essentially the story of a guy that has totally um, just, like... Yeah, lost his mind yeah yeah radicalized himself but it's what it's it's really well done in the sense that it's like you don't really get that sort of uh you know understand that till right at the very end so basically the whole thing opens with this like really dramatic music and it's um cuts with all this you know riots and and like global turmoil that we're all so used to seeing at this point um and it opens with this guy who is uh you know, coincidentally speaking in an underground bunker um, and viciously chain-smoking called Michael Rupert. And he's quite a big conspiracy theorist, or at least he was, because he um, he actually killed himself. Uh, oh, did he really? Yeah, man, it was quite sad, eh? Cause That's he was, so sad, yeah. He was a real big proponent of a number of conspiracy theories, and I think the beauty of choosing someone like Michael as opposed to someone like Alex Jones, who's definitely a grifter, uh, whereas Michael, Michael Rupert, like, totally believed the conspiracy theories, and the conspiracy theories that he believed in weren't even that outlandish. They were actually pretty, pretty like, within the realm of possibility. So he yeah, you're right. <clears throat> was one of the first guys to discuss, like, CIA drug trafficking, um, which actually was a thing, you know, for yeah, a while of in the 1980s. Yeah. But it probably wasn't, like, an organizational thing as much as it was, like, some bad apples that were running a drug-running scheme to and from, uh, I don't know where they were doing it from. Some Yeah, like Nicaragua or some shit. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Uh, you know, and so he had sounded the alarm on that and then sort of dived into further theories on the collapse of modern industrial civilization and started talking about, like, you know, peak oil, um, which was a big talking point pre- the shale oil boom, which I think probably would still be a talking point, but for whatever reason, I guess no one's driving anywhere throughout most of the world right now. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think Michael Rupert kind of brought up peak oil a little bit before, <clears throat> um, like renewable energy became such an economically viable alternative, right? Yeah. So, like, it was maybe there was my maybe like a ten-year lapse between kind of peak oil and truly affordable renewable energy where i think he was probably panicking a little bit but now i think there's a bit less kind of urgency about it because we kind of have an alternative yeah i think so and like zoomers don't really drive and millennials are too poor to drive so yeah and also like driving implies that you have opportunities to drive too (laughs) which none of us do so (laughs) (laughs) yeah the rest of us are just sitting around making podcasts (laughs) yeah um so he was also like, you know, claims that he predicted the um, uh, 
well, not 9-11, he predicted 2008, um, as so many conspiracy theorists seem to claim that they did. Um, and it goes really into detail about how, like, you know, Michael's effectively... He's really well-versed on all of this. He's done, like, a hell of a lot of uh, in-depth sort of research into it. And, you know, it's pretty all over the show in terms of um, where he's getting his media from. But then it starts talking about, like, how he lives his life and how he's sort of, like, so... feels so disenfranchised by his realization that modern industrial civilization could be collapsing around him that he's basically isolated himself in some shitty little batch somewhere. He doesn't have a job because he, like... You know, thinks that society's going to collapse tomorrow, um, and he's just hiding away from the world with a you know massive email list and a bunch of other people all sort of championing him on, and so he's sort of become this poster boy for the preppers, which is ultimately kind of a sad story because you really get a sense for that. You know, some people really take the media way too far, man, and like they totally radicalize themselves. Um, and then they end up fucking their life up because they think that, you know, it's the end of the world and their obsession ultimately just takes them totally out of society. So Michael moved away to, yeah, I don't know, some some further area outside of California to live with, like, a bunch of um, other preppers, not in Vivos, uh, but, like, a proper little tent community where everyone Whoa. was hiding away from, from the world. And, like, some of the last scenes of the documentary are just him talking about how he, like, collects smiles. Um, That's right, I remember Yeah, that. so to all <clears throat> oh, the listeners, man. me and Hayden watched this, like, when we were 18 and 19. Um, and I've only, like, just reviewed it. But, yeah, you're just sort of left seeing this broken man who's angry and bitter and, you know, can't ever really escape out of his thought loop of... Um, the world is run by corrupt bureaucrats. The bureaucrats are uh, orchestrating these um, energy issues and trying to, you know, take as much power and money out of the system as they can before it ultimately collapses, and then they're going to bugger off to Vivos. Um, and fucking, you know, everyone else is just going to be left picking up the pieces of a broken society. And then Michael basically breaks down crying, and then the film pretty much ends. Um, which is a very brief overview of it. It's totally worth checking out if anyone yeah. wants some more depression core. Um, I can also, yeah, completely vouch for this. And it, it's also not that long. I think it's like an 80 minute long film, which is yeah. like pretty palatable. Um, yeah. Well, the reason I was bringing it up, so that's a super brief overview, and I'm not going to go super more, you know, not going to go much more into depth than that, but it's just man, you can radicalize yourself so fucking hard on media, you know. Um, mm. Do you think, though, that maybe, like, while Michael Rupert obviously had a huge role in his own kind of transformation, that this speaks a little bit more broadly to the way that uh, our culture and society kind of leaves people out in the dark as well? Uh, as in, for whatever reason, he just maybe could never quite connect with other people and kind of felt like he never really had a place. And then that's, that's what kind of gets this stuff rolling. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Man. Yeah. It hit me pretty hard. Cause like at the same time, as I mentioned last week, um, I was reading Frankenstein, uh, and Frankenstein's so 
much better than anything that Hollywood's done to try and like show you the story because effectively Frankenstein is about social isolation and about this mm. creature that wants to fit into society but ultimately you know is shunned because of his heinous appearance um, despite wanting to uh, spread love and joy and, and be a uh, savior for mankind um, and a lot of it ties into this whole story I felt because like you're right like so much so many people could have like intervened on this and it's exactly, just such right? a fucking tragedy that you know, it's normally I don't like anything that kind of makes a spectacle out of mental health issues, but because this is the predominant, uh, like a sorry, like a very dominant narrative today, where people are you know isolating themselves after binging on too much fucking uh, information and just you know cutting themselves off from the world, that mm. it's pretty tragic. Uh, that it's really tragic, man. And you can watching this movie, you can tell that he's a nice guy. Like, well, I think he comes across as a really nice guy. And he, I think he comes across as someone who cares deeply about the world and other people. Um, yeah, totally. And I think he yearns for that to be reciprocated. Um, and I think maybe the work that he does in trying to expose something that may or may not be there is sort of like a projection of the fact that he kind of just wants to maybe uh, validate his place in the world. Yeah. Oh, um, I think so. Yeah. I yeah. Think part of it is you sort of get like a, um, like the urge to do well by your fellow, I guess I can't say man, uh, your, your fellow humans. Um, yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's strong and it's like an innate thing within everyone that he um, would feel the desire. I, I see here as well that like he was involved in a couple of musical projects. Really? Um, yeah. He um, was in a, an acoustic rock band called new white trash um in the early two early 2010s which i think might be interesting to listen to because i don't know if he was like a writer or vocalist but you know that might be a little bit of an insight which would be you know potentially really interesting or potentially really sad um so cool nice there we go i will totally check that out yeah i think yeah oh I, i might do it tomorrow though um i don't want to like go too heavy on the like suicide content today nah i gotta fucking lay off it man i've like binged way too hard on depression core lately and now i'm yeah. i'm yearning for uh sunshine and light so i'm gonna bring in happy <laughs> tales from um should we do like next week do like the origins of uh krishna <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm just gonna be reviewing um i don't know some some basic disney shit um did you get around to doing your five movies that people should watch before they're 16 i got some of them <laughs> in my head i've definitely <laughs> been thinking about it a lot yeah, i didn't okay. write them down um but who needs notes you know i would say collapse so i'm gonna riff on the shit anyway um yeah sure man. i'm gonna put collapse up there I think collapse is one of the most important things. I'm as someone who's like very obsessive, um, you know, I can't help but like watch it and just see myself decline into that sort of uh, you know manic obsession over over stuff. I'm kind of lucky mm. in the sense that my obsession is entirely based around arts, and I actually hate all politics and general other news because I see it as largely fraudulent. So, you know. I don't think that's going to happen. Plus, I've got such a wonderful, supportive 
network with the modern guilt group so uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you do. yeah collapse is like important i think it's important to figure see how you can fuck your life up and in the same vein i might steal your suggestion of requiem for a dream because yeah. that's also all about how you can fuck your life up um through you know i guess ultimately the focus of that was drugs but it's kind of more than that as well isn't it like it's more you can just fuck yourself up through greed and um being a massive piece of shit and not you know acknowledging <laughs> yeah. the importance of like stability uh which is something that me and both hayden have witnessed in our lives <laughs> um, in a big way yeah uh threads has got to be on there man like existential fear is something that should be at the core of your being i think existential fear is like one of the most important things in your life to have an appreciation of everyone says it's love that's the most strong the strongest feeling it's not it's existential fear you know mm. yeah well yeah i guess that's one way to do it i i agree with you yeah um but I actually have had a pretty like heavy conversation recently, if that's the best way for me to live my life. But anyway, I won't get into that. Really. Oh, and I don't think it is. There's a, there's another movie I like. Um, I think it's one of the most endearing things I've seen. Uh, I'm just going to cut this short at four. And my last one will be yeah. um, this stick figure film I saw because it called it such a beautiful day. Oh, actually, no, no, sorry. I do have a number five. Um, called it such a beautiful day. And it's basically like an hour long film about the stick figure uh but it's fucking amazingly done but it's this guy who's got uh some sort of nondescript illness that's causing him to have wild hallucinations and um lose the function of his body and the whole film is largely done from his perspective so it's just this like uh his degeneration into sort of chaos and noise um and confusion but along the way sort of discovering you know, the importance of, uh, of life. And it's so key, you know, to have an appreciation for that, man. My niece is going to have such a fucking good viewing list. I swear to God. <laughs> oh yeah, she will. Um, yeah. how old are you? How old will she be when you, uh, loose Requiem for a dream on her? Eleven. Um, my sister will never let me see uh, show her these films ever, you know, not, not even when she's in her twenties, I will suggest them to her, uh, <laughs> but she, she will realistically not be able to watch any of them. And that's fine. You know? Um, and the final one I would say is called, uh, Synecdoche, New York, which is like about, um, this theater director who wants his life to be about something grand and and bigger than himself and he wants his entire work's meaning to be about uh you know just something that explains the meaning of life and all its intricacies um and it's a it's like a total surrealist film and it's it's basically he starts off with this project and it's like a group of 30 people and then it starts ballooning until he starts having like hundreds of thousands of people involved in this play um, in a warehouse that takes up like this impossible amount of size and the, the, the theater, uh, the play just can never get finished because it's so huge and encompassing. Well, his Mm. ex lover, uh, or his ex wife, I guess, um, entirely focuses on herself and her whole work, um, and all her art and everything is 
uh, increasingly small in size, and she starts focusing on these like intricate, detailed miniature paintings. And whoa, and like you know, there's some pretty obvious symbolism there. But uh, it was really good, man. I think like something like that to show you to not get obsessed and everything. Obs- beware of the passions, essentially. What what was that one called? Synecdoche, New York. I'll I'll like link them all in the uh, in the description. Yeah, cool. That sounds mm. good. Yeah, nice man. Good good selections. Yeah, buddy. Did you do yours? Uh, yes, I did. Sick. Um, so at first, like last week when we were talking about this, I was thinking like, yeah, man, I'm going to find five movies that will just like scare the shit out of anyone and try and make them live good lives. Yeah. And then yesterday when I was like writing these down, I actually realized that there are probably a lot of movies that can motivate people to try and live good lives, but in the exact opposite way by showing them what you can be, you know? Yeah. I mean, if you, if you try and live a good life as opposed to what you can be, if you don't try. So I've got like a combination. Um, and the first one, like, I feel like people may laugh, but I put the Lord of the Rings. Um, oh, yeah. Because I feel like there are so many displays of, like, you know, courage, valor, loyalty, friendship, adventure, potential in Lord in the Lord of the Rings. Um, and there's also, obviously, the massive lesson about power and greed. Um, and, yeah, I think there's actually, like, a lot of morality uh buried in lord of the rings i think it's like a an amazing fantasy and adventure film built on the skeleton of strong kind of moral lessons if that makes sense um and done so, yeah. well eh? not not in like a oh yeah exactly marvel um good guys and bad guys <laughs> yeah kind of like um, obnoxious way and also in the lord of the rings which i like is there's uh some ambiguity about what is good and bad yeah. Um, there are moments where characters have to make decisions that aren't clear cut um, or characters that sort of, you know, um, maybe straddle the line between good and evil. Yeah. Um, and there's, yeah, so I, I appreciate that. Um, my second one, Requiem for a Dream. Um, I mean, nothing much more needs to be said about that. Just like don't shoot needles into uh, infected arms. Yeah. Um, let your don't go and prostitute pills. out your girlfriend for <laughs> heroin. Um, yeah. All of that, yeah. Um, intervene quickly if your mum takes amphetamines. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so my third is Schindler's List. Um, oh, yeah, I actually watched that. Oh, what do you think? Um, I actually found it kind of uplifting, to be honest with you. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, yeah, I know that's kind of maybe a f- fucked up thing to say, but I, I felt like it was a really nice story to hear uh, from something that's so filled with horror tragedy. Yeah, I don't know, yeah. man, I'm coming off the back of threads. Like, I fucking... That's what I was just thinking. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, well, like, Schindler's List is a fucking cakewalk after threads and claps. So, yeah, it's <laughs> there just, you go. It's just so much easier to digest. It was like, oh, that's... You know, this guy that strives for wealth, ultimately to give it away to save people, um, which he sees as the, you know, real 
thing to do with your money in your life. I mean, that's just heartwarming. That that's always going to be good. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. Um, and I think what Spielberg did brilliantly with Schindler's List is that he, I think he delivered the tragedy of the Holocaust in like a, pa- a digestible package. If that yeah. makes sense. So like he exposed it uh, brutally for the first time to modern audiences. Um, like there were films, essential films about the Holocaust from like earlier in the 20th century. But Schindler's List is the first sort of blockbuster modern film yeah. um, that was able to crack the mainstream. Um, and I think it's because it is uplifting in a way. Um, yeah. And that kind of makes the horrors of it palatable. Yeah. Um, totally. So, yeah, I think that's, yeah, good movie. Um, my fourth is Lost in Translation. Um, oh, yeah. Have you seen that? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah I have seen that. Like, yeah. I think that movie is beautiful and tragic at the same time. Um, and highlights the importance of appreciating moments um, and appreciating people while you can. And I think it's also one of, like, the few really good films that shows, like, uh, a completely platonic relationship between a man and woman um, that is still can be characterised as love. Uh, um, those are the best moments that you have in your life as well. I, I was walking yeah, along yeah. thinking about this the other day that the finest moments in life are ultimately like, you know, just moments of serendipity and nothing can really get you that close. Like doesn't matter how many drugs you do, you're not going to get that pleasure of just weird moments of connecting with, yeah, with yeah, other random yeah. strangers on your travels, you know? You're right. Um, and yeah, and I actually just remembered there is a film called serendipity too, which I think, I just looked it up as like a romantic comedy. So that film should be erased and instead uh, Lost in Translation should just get two titles. Yeah, right. Yeah, (laughs) totally. Yeah, the link to the IMDb for Serendipity should go straight to Lost in Translation. Um, And my number five was Interstellar. Um, Oh, yeah. And I think because it it is a a warning shot in a way, um, but at the same time I think it – is all, it also does celebrate brilliance, I think. Yeah. Um, it celebrates brilliance and courage um, and the scale of what can be, <laughs> um, yeah. which maybe is a bit abstract. But I think anything that can present broad horizons to someone in their formative years is important. Um, and I think um, stories that show the way a, an antag- uh, a protagonist rather can control their fate and handle a situation in a massive and compelling way are really just essential stories. So, yeah. It's it. We should really, I, I guess we kind of do have a like culture of worshiping, um, creators though, ultimately like Elon Musk is, you know, like needs no introduction in terms of someone who's like worshiped as a, uh, as an engineer and a creator. Yeah. I, I think, you're right, though, that we should probably try and celebrate that more, um, yeah. as opposed to TikTok celebrities. Um, uh, but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, it is, man. My my girlfriend showed me a bunch of TikTok, um, and I kind of had like a little tantrum 
Because <laughs> I was just like, there's all these videos like of everyone laughing at, uh, you know, people who are desperately craving attention. And something about that is just the most tragic fucking thing to me where you have someone who is like obviously never had attention in their life get a bunch of negative attention on TikTok and go massively viral. Yeah. And then everyone being Michael like, Rupert. look at these fucking weirdos. <laughs> well, yeah, like... Is Michael Rupert turned outwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just um, the saddest fucking thing in the world. Makes me despair. All the yeah, while, tic- like, the Chinese are just watching it all and, you know, yeah. planning whatever raking they're planning. Their, uh, they're raking their Zen garden of cash. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Is that yeah. racist? Maybe it is. Anyway. Nah, it's not racist, man. It's not racist at all. It's um, all good. I... <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> so says I. I yeah, I guess, I guess none of them are going to care enough about what we're saying anyway. Um, no, they're listening, bro. We've got a. Well, yeah, we have a Chinese audience. Yeah, we have a. No, least... I wonder if we do. Maybe we have one listener in China. Um, <laughs> probably listens to this in the same way that like white people listen to meditation apps because it's just like white noise. Yeah. Yeah, 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 just like uh, the buzzing of rain or something. <laughs> the soothing sound of modern guilt. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think our voices are pretty soothing. Yeah, I think they're pretty good. I, we do all right. Absolutely. Um, sweet. Now that's a good list. I, I like that. I like. I really liked Interstellar as well on that, but I, the ending kind of pissed me off. But aside from that, um, the rest of it, I just love grand designs. Eh? It's like reading about me too, Nikola bro. Tesla, man. It's just fucking mind-blowing in terms of what he thought he could make and produce um yeah that's a good point yeah i've always thought that if i uh degraded into some sort of like hellish mental health crisis that i could just dedicate myself to some like infinite field of study something that's you know you could never study at all but you could dedicate your life to it it Mm. seems like the ultimate panacea for for the anxious mind, you know. Yeah, you're right, actually. Yeah. Shout out Nikki Tez. Yeah, Nikki Tezzy. <laughs> Get him on um, the board. All right. Let's, yeah, let's uh, get Nicholas Tesla on the board. <laughs> <laughs> or, like, do you think he has, like, ancestors? Maybe we can get them on. He was famously um, celibate. Oh, that's and a shame. And he never, as far as I'm aware, he died a virgin. So... Man, that's crazy. Um, Was he... He would have been a passionate lover, too. Yeah, man. Well, apparently he had quite a big following of ladies. Um, I thought you were going to say he had quite a big dick. Um, I'm sure he did, like, as well. Big balls, at least. Yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Electric ones. Um, Um, Let's do some quick hits. Yeah, sweet, sweet. Um, So, I mean... Let's skip movies because we cool. just did. Yeah, <laughs> did that. Um, well, let's do one sentence on movies. Um, I watched Snowpiercer recently, which is a dystopian film set on a train powered by a perpetual motion engine, which uh, houses the last remaining like one thousand human beings on Earth, uh, and it is a commentary on class. So there you go. That was quite good. His other one, Parasites, really good. I haven't oh, seen Parasite, yeah. but I'm just going to include that. Uh, sorry, Parasite I is... I have seen Parasite, fucking... but I haven't seen it in ages. Um, right, I get it. Yeah. What, yeah, I, I want to watch ago. it again. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, so good, man. Like, 
I feel so bad because I always forget the name of this director and that's just because, like, it's a Korean name and it's hard for me to um, pronounce and remember. But, like, so I'm not going to, like, attempt to say it, but he is such a good director. Yeah, hold on. I, uh, I'll bring him up. Bong Joon-ho. That's it. Yeah, yeah. he's the man. I'm going to actually, like, when we stop recording, I'm going to say that 12 times. You know what I mean? Like, the same <laughs> yeah. way that you get, like, a new mobile number and you have to memorize it. Um, um, yeah, yeah. I have been kind of getting obsessed with um, romance films lately. So hmm. I'm going to do a shout out instead of that, instead of Parasite, because you just remind me of Asian directors worthy of a shout out is Wong Kar Wai. Cool. Um, is the ultimate. I don't know, he does like weird existential romance where the whole thing is ah oh, it's just so good. I can't even fucking begin to describe it, but That's the best kind of romance. Like I think, you know, tales of romance and love are great when they're framed within like a real world and relatable context rather than some like fifty first dates bullshit, you know what oh, I mean? Oh yeah, man. Because it's more like yeah, and I'm sure people, like, have those sort of relationships, but I never have. M- mine have always been sort of, like, wandering into, like, a relationship, I feel. Yeah, I agree. to, like, he couldn't fat for 40 days and 40 <laughs> nights. How will he last? And then he met uh, the girl of his dreams. Can't you just imagine <laughs> some scene from that movie and it's just, like, Eddie Murphy just, like, jizzing and, like, flooding a kitchen or something? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, just, oh, no, like, my <laughs> yeah. fucking cum shot's too overwhelming. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> and he also plays, like, a pet dog, which is just on the ground barking while, like, <laughs> yeah. this is happening. Um, yeah, oh, man. What are you reading? Um, all right, so I'm done Frankenstein, and that was all. It was just like a heavy fucking week of being sick and reading depressing shit, man. Yeah, I like, feel like um, Frankenstein would have lived most of his life with a cold too. Yeah, fucking a. Oh, it's just yeah. so brutal, man. Like Frankenstein really like threw me uh, because it's just so sad. You know, it was just this long tale of isolation. And like trying to fit in into society and being rejected because of the way that you look and, you know, not being able to help um, and being sort of, I don't know, just pushed away by class, uh, by the the class struggle and whatnot. And then ultimately Frankenstein just being like, fuck this, I'm just going to kill myself. So, you know, that sucked. Uh, It was good though. Highly recommend it. But I'm kind of done with depression media at the moment. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad you are. I am going to explore Walden. I haven't started reading it yet, but it's on the list. So Henry Thoreau uh, right, okay. got sick of paying taxes and went and lived in the woods for two years and then wrote a book about it. <laughs> Intense. Yeah. yeah, I know. Like boss. So, yeah, I'm fucking looking forward to that. Fuck yeah. That, that sounds good, man. Yeah. What about you, Betty? Um, I've been like pretty boring in terms of my reading i've got like heaps of like climate change related stuff i have to do at the moment so i've just been reading like un reports like shit about um renewable energy and policy framing and shit like i'm not even gonna like recommend any of it (laughs) because it's just like not that enjoyable to read yeah like i find it interesting because that's just like there's a whole like 
five percent portion of my brain that just like houses that yeah yeah you know like a seg- segment of my life is just like revolves around that shit so like, yeah. it's my thing but i like would never actually subject someone to it um and that's this for the same reason i don't really like talk about it with people at like parties yeah <laughs> like, i get that feeling yeah. <laughs> well you know actually if you look at australia's renewable transmission infrastructure like no hayden no one cares yeah yeah they just want the electricity man (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's true i feel you um so you've got to make you've got uh, to wrap it in a in a threads coating if you want to get people to care you know why don't you just remake threads bro yeah remake uh, threads but coal yeah um so i need to make a correction on the podcast from last week for because in our new music section, um, I like referred mistakenly to a British hip hop artist called Lord Echo, and that's not his name. Um, his name is Lord Apex. Um, All right, I yeah, know, yeah, I saw that. I don't, yeah. yeah, I don't know how I um, got the two confused because I looked up Lord Echo and saw that it's like this white fedora wearing man on Spotify. <laughs> um, if I am correct i'm gonna yeah. double check that just so i'm not falsely accusing Why someone of wearing a Dora fedora still but, exist, eh? Jesus yeah okay mind. i don't i don't know if this image that i'm looking at right now is a fedora but it's like an equally dumb hat so i'm yeah. not going to retract my statement um <laughs> so yeah i need to just put the record straight that lord apex is a dope british hip-hop artist lord echo i don't know he's dope or not but his hat isn't um yeah so my recommendation also is another british hip-hop artist named dc um just the letters dc in caps like washington um and the first track i heard by him was a single called neighborhood and it's like dark but a vibe at the same time um so yeah british hip-hop is like the wave i'm on at the moment um, cool yeah. yeah 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 good man well oh, also um yeah your uh recommendation for some of that like ambient drone was very good oh um, sick you yeah cool glad you yeah i um i listened to the album uh i'm gonna struggle to remember the name of it now is it midnight radio uh, yeah midnight radio yeah. that's it yeah um, just that was really fucking good man it reminded me of like um nighttime in the wild west <laughs> yeah right <laughs> that's what it felt like to me yeah yeah, it's pretty, pretty. Inc- yeah, I don't know. It's hard to give much of a review on ambient drone other than it's just fucking like just heaps of feelings. Yeah, man. Yeah, well, it captures a mood. That's the whole point of it. I just like to s- listen to it at like late at night. You know, put it on and just sort of like walk around a city, um, and just pass big apartment blocks and you know see people yeah. moving around and. Yeah, not that just, I'm uh, standing outside the apartment block, <laughs> watching them through their window, <laughs> yeah, listening, to, listening to 25 BPM guitar tones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but, I wouldn't hate you if you did though. Oh uh, yeah, sick. Okay, well maybe. So we'll, there you go. You get a pass. Yeah. Cool. Um, sweet. I. What are you listening to? I've been listening to Glenn Miller. Um who's this like 
19, I think he's 1940s jazz and he's like big band jazz. It's the sort of music okay. that you get the feeling that like that's Hitler what I would have been into. <laughs> oh, nah, man. This is the shit that built America. This is the shit okay, where right. I listen to it and I'm like, oh, that's what made America great in the first place was this fucking True. like just everyone in the Glenn Miller Orchestra looks fucking good. You know, they all look like that typical America man back in the day before um, he binged on fucking cheetos and and uh easy reality tv <laughs> back when he was like jacked as fuck and like you know had won some military conquest overseas and then came back and was like i'm just gonna get a phd and start a big band jazz thing and go fucking build new york you know like it's good yeah that's the sort of music where i'm like oh yeah this is so banging this is the shit that builds cities you know these guys do look robust i must say yeah man, they look yeah. like they've lived full good lives well you can see the interesting contrast is between like old school america and where it is now and i think you get a really good idea of like you know the mood at the time like everyone just yeah, looks right. like fucking healthy and oh sick glenn miller actually was in the military badass okay um, it just makes him much cooler to me. So yeah. So anyway, I'm listening to that big band shit. Yeah, cool. I've actually like, man, you uh, recommend me a lot of like genres or types of music that I've never actually listened to before. Um, so like, maybe I should give it a go. I think I'll find this harder to get into than like ambient drone, but <laughs> I'll I'll uh, I'll attempt it. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. I'll I'll flick you some your way. Um, I know it sounds like pathetic, but I really struggle to listen to music that is just like shamelessly celebratory or happy. Um, oh, I, I feel always you. tend to gravitate towards something that at least has undertones of pain. Yeah. Um, so. Well, it's more real yeah. anyway, and and I feel like um, coming out of my depression core binge, uh, it's a more real emotion. You know, like you really know who you are when you have nothing left. Or at least you have a much better idea of, like, you know, what you do have when you've got virtually nothing in terms of, like, serotonin and dopamine. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good good quote, bro. Um, you, you really know who you are when you have nothing left. Yeah, but, like, you don't know shit, man, when you're making money. Like, I feel like money is the ultimate drunk. Like, money is the <laughs> ultimate fuel of... Um, of ego and excess and like vice and everything. And that's yeah, you're the right, vibe actually. I get when I listen to Glenn Miller. I'm like, clearly these guys come back from like wartime. America's booming. Like it's the greatest country on earth. Cities are getting built. Monuments are getting fucking like erected in record time. You know, the stock market's just going through the roof. Like, and the music reflects it. And it's just this, like everyone's amping and, and they're gross and they're rich and they're like, Wah. you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's uh can't argue with that. Um, what do you hate? Um, ooh, I had something for this as I do every week, but then I forgot it. Uh, you go first. Um, this is like a pretty basic bitch answer of mine, but just not having enough time in the week, man. Yeah. Um, like, I feel like I'm constantly having to put, like, one thing on the back burner because I'm just trying to fucking squeeze in everything else. So it's like musical chairs of priorities for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, the things I have to or want to do are just running around in a circle and one of them always gets left out. Yeah, um, yeah. So, 
Yeah. I feel you. That does suck. Oh, okay. So I hate hangovers. I can't stand it. I can't drink anymore. Um, I'm going to do Dry July, and I'm going to announce it publicly, so you can hold me to that. Yeah, true. Um, I'd appreciate it if you did. I right, had I will. a total of eight fucking beers, and I was in the fetal position on Sunday, and I'm not even exaggerating that's not a hyperbole i was literally in the fetal position i couldn't eat till like 3 p.m you know oh and i had a couple shots as well but the the point is it's like it's the amount of booze i would have sunk happily at 16 working up the next day and like you know gone to work yeah gone to work and just sucked it up whereas yeah yeah now man i was just like oh just you know huddled in pain and misery yeah it's it's strange huh like i i get this get the same thing but it confuses me because there are it seems to me that there are plenty more people our age or older who still drink what we would have six years ago and don't get the sort of hangovers that we do but maybe we're just pathetic man yeah maybe man i mean i just don't think that i have the liver function um of those people and I, I don't know yeah, what true. enables them. I, and I don't want it either. I actually think it's a superpower uh, to get chronically hungover because otherwise I would be probably a massive degenerate, you know? So, Preach. Yeah, because fuck that. Um, I liked uh, your link to the crippling alcoholism subreddit. What did you read? Uh, I was actually going to ask if, if uh, in terms of what you're reading, if you, if you read any of that. No, no, I did. Yeah, I, I've subscribed and I'm enjoying <laughs> the regular posts. Um, yeah, some of them are really relatable. There was one about um, this dude just expressing his frustration at how regularly and easily he blacks out while drunk, which yeah. is something that used to happen to me a lot. Like, really, my friends, yeah, my friends would be like, I didn't pass out or anything. I was just like functional talking. Like, would obviously be drunk, but other than that, would be like normal. Yeah. but just have no memory of it um, for like a, you know, four hour block. Oh, whatever. so scary. Yeah. Yeah. I, I fucking hate it. Yeah. Um, or I did at the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't really, I don't really let it happen to myself anymore, but yeah, it, it makes me feel as though maybe I have like some sort of self-induced brain damage from like <laughs> my early twenties. <20s, laughs> like I honestly think I do. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what like the science is about that but maybe i should check it out i think um, it goes away man i think like um your body is like surprisingly resilient you know mm. at least i'm fucking praying that because i certainly wasn't kind to my body for like a significant block of time so oh, yeah you know and the disturbing thing i found about that crippling alcohol subreddit is just how many posts on it that i'm like Oh, that's me yeah <laughs> i've done that yeah. one <laughs> yeah yeah me as well man it's, yeah. yeah a lot of them are really relatable i know man um, it made me think like i probably had a drinking problem at one point but oh whatever. yeah no doubt yeah. um yeah man but that, that's just uh like you know modern life in the west though bro oh god it's <laughs> disgusting honestly the west has a drinking problem well i think asia does as well man like i don't oh, think they're yeah. any better over there you know <laughs> no, we do yeah you're right i think um, maybe the middle east gets off but like you know they, they get off the hook but i don't think um i've heard asia is really bad especially like yeah. south korea yeah for sure don't see a lot of asians with pot bellies though true yeah i'm, I'm not saying that that disproves <laughs> your what you're saying but that's just an observation of mine yeah um grifter of the week um i was just gonna do like a full segment on matt bowden 
but then oh, yeah, I just yeah. thought he wasn't worth doing a full segment on because I watched like I started doing the whole okay I'll do some research on him. Um, Matt Bowden, to everyone who doesn't know, is the guy that managed to get Parliament to um, overturn their legislation to get BZPN and a bunch of other recreational highs. Uh, but yeah, after watching Farmerton Co- Co- Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia, whatever, um, where they did an episode on him, I was just like, oh, he's kind of a piece of shit. You know, and then I saw he's churned up on this uh, guy in Auckland, I think, that does like a conspiracy radio show. And he's immediately started talking about like, oh, the reason I wanted to get BZP legalized was that, uh, you know, my friend killed himself on meth by stabbing himself 38 times with a samurai sword. And I was like, yep, he's full of shit. No one's fucking done that ever. (laughs) Like, where are you stabbing yourself? With a fucking samurai sword, thirty-eight times to kill yourself, you know. Um, yeah, that has some holes in it. Yeah, I know, um, man. And then I was oh, just... oh, get it. Oh. <laughs> there you go, thirty-eight um, holes. Um, and then it looks like he just absconded to. Uh, I'm not sure if that's a word, but you know, buggered off to Thailand um, to run away from creditors, and now is in Hong Kong selling CBD oil. So. Yeah, right. So, like, nothing else good going for him. <laughs> no, um, no. It's just... Yeah. Also, he's one of those people who has, like, pathetic chin, oh. which is something that I've never been able to get past in a person. Yeah. Well, um, you might be speaking hate now, Hayden, because they actually <laughs> banned the Soy Boys subreddit, which, um, as far as I was aware, had a history of insulting men with weak chins. So, Are you serious? So you wow. Know, yeah, we might get pulled. There you go. Well, I welcome it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, my my life experience has led me to never trust men with uh, with absent chins. Um, <laughs> so, and Matt, yeah. Matt Bowden is probably one of the most extreme cases I've ever seen of it. Oh, um, so he is, yeah. Um, so. I, f- I feel like some sort of a uh, hormone must be produced in the chin that makes you a decent person. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> like some people just don't have it. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, I feel you. My, grif- my yeah. grifter of the week is uh, the LNP, the Liberal National Party of Australia, um, <laughs> because there is a by-election coming up uh, this weekend in the uh, Eden Monaro um, electorate, which is uh, an area in like the southeast of New South Wales, near Canberra, near the ACT, um, and the border of Victoria, if you can kind of imagine where that is. Um, and it's being seen as a sort of, uh, you know, a bit of a litmus test for public confidence in the current government. Um, yeah. And the, uh, the LNP have said that there is a policy that they're not going to unveil until after this by-election. Um, and I'm not sure how familiar you are with what's happening in Australia right now, but there's a job keeper wage subsidy scheme that the government uh, has spent $70 billion on in order to keep people out of poverty throughout COVID, which I think is a pretty reasonable thing to do. Absolutely. Um, and, but what they're, what they're going to do is just essentially let the economy fall off a cliff at the end of September where they're going to repeal the subsidies. Um, yeah, and they're not even going to roll it back gradually. It seems as if they're just going to cut it. Um, well, that's what they've said previously. 
but there's massive popular backlash against the idea of doing that. Um, so the LNP have kind of quietly said like, well, yeah, we're kind of, maybe we'll think about something. Yeah. Um, so, but they're not going to announce what they're doing until after this by-election. So it's just like, oh yeah, way to fucking disrespect your electorate, you snakes. Um, Such so yeah, that's good. So they're probably going to just like spin a bunch of shit for, for this fucking by-election campaign and then be like, by the way, none of you have jobs. Um, yeah. So yeah, just more fucking of the usual man from them. Um, oh, it's disgusting. It's such a shit show. It, yeah, it is disgusting. Um, I, yeah. Anyway, I think the Labor government is going to win this by-election. Um, that's just my little prediction. Yeah. We'll see. Um, so that's us, here. man. Cool. That's the end of Quick Hits. All right. Uh, well, thanks for tuning in, any- y'all. I think uh, that's good. That's a solid hour and 40 minutes. There you go. All right. Was it? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Just flies by. Huh. <laughs> All right. Um, for some reason, this call is saying that I've only been on it for one hour and 18. Really? Um, yeah, which is super weird. Oh, okay. um, oh, no, no, you are right, though. The recorder is telling me that I've been recording for 102 minutes. Yeah. So yeah. that's good. Um, before we finish up, um, I just want to, like, encourage people to head to the Modern Guilt subreddit as well because we, like, post some shit uh, relevant to what we've talked about in the sub. I mean, in the podcast, rather. Yeah. Um, so, like, it would be cool if other people, like, share some similar shit or just, you know, want to, like, uh, heckle us yeah. via the interwebs. <laughs> We're both um, waiting for the day that we get to get heckled. It's, it's going to yeah, be Yeah, like, day. it's kind of validating, I'd imagine, you know. Absolutely. Um, so that would be nice. Um, so, yeah, thank you for listening once again. We appreciate you. Um, show the podcast to your friends and family or your enemies, your colleagues, whoever else, because um, we actually think we're doing an all right job so far and we think that more people should be listening. So, yeah. Uh, any, anything else that you want to say, Damon? No, nah, man, that's good. Come to the Modern Guild subreddit and throw some shit at us, post some crap. You know. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. All right. Uh, Peace and take care. Peace.